Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Today, we turn once again to God's Word, and our scripture this morning uh, is a continuation of the scripture that we read from last week. We're picking up Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. And so I invite you, if you have your Bible there at home, I invite you to turn with me. Feel free to read along. It's always interesting to read in the different translations to see the way that one Bible may translate a certain passage as opposed to another. And so if you're reading from a different one than what I'm reading from, that's okay. It's okay because you may be able to see and understand something in a different way as you read it from yours as long as as well as the version that I'm reading from. So here now these words from Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 through 35. Hear now these words. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, A man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The master's servant, the servant's master, took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to join me now for the time of prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, We do give thanks for your word as it's been handed down from generation to generation. A word that helps us understand what it means to be in a right relationship with you. 
And so, Lord, may we take these words and may we internalize them, allow them to truly become a part of our lives so that we might seek to be more like you. Lord, as we give thanks for your word as it has been read, we now give thanks for the word as it is to be proclaimed. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. In the book of Genesis, we are told that when God created humanity, He created humanity in God's own image. And when God looked upon all that God had created, behold, it was very good. Very good. Created in God's own image. That means that many of the attributes that we look upon God and see are attributes that God implanted within us. God planted within us love. He made us wise, kind, patient, forgiving, generous. These attributes that God created within us, He created us within His own image, and He looked upon it, and it was good. It was very good. Was. Was good. For humanity sought to be humanity's own creation. And in our fall, many of those attributes that God had placed within us were no longer present. We no longer reflected the image of our creator. It's as if this giant wall of wrong was suddenly placed in between us and God. And we were separated. Separated from God. However, just like last week, when we looked at how Jesus himself crossed that wall of wrong and went to Matthew, the tax collector, to be reconciled, to be restored, God has come as Jesus has come to all of humanity. He's come and crossed that wall of wrong. He's come to restore us, to reconcile us, to make us whole once again with him. And so now we want to try to reclaim and be restored so that we may be like Jesus. We even talked about the WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? We're wanting to try to live in the way that God has created us. We're trying to live in a way that reflects the image of God that is within us. And so last week, we really did begin talking about WWJD and how to be like Jesus. And in order to WWJD know what what would Jesus do, we needed to know what did Jesus say and what did Jesus do? And we did look at that, that last week in the context of when someone has wronged us, when someone has sinned against us, when someone has hurt us, when someone has harmed us. Jesus said that the burden is suddenly upon us, the one that has been wronged, the one that has been hurt. We are to go to them, and we are to speak to them, bringing to light the issue that is present. 
And if they listen, wonderful, you have been reconciled and restored. But if they don't listen, then you are to go and find one or two other people to cross over that wall of wrong once again, to go to them. And if they listen, wonderful, you have been reconciled and restored to them. But if they don't listen, once again, you're not done. Once again, you then present it before the church. And if they listen, wonderful. You're restored and reconciled to them. But if they don't, then Jesus said you could treat them as the Gentiles or even tax collectors, which still means you're not done with them because Jesus' love was always present for any and for all. So last week we were looking at how hard that actually is for us to be the ones because so many times we want to wait for them to come to us and to acknowledge the ways that they have wronged us. So practicing what it means to be like Jesus and to do what Jesus did, it's hard. It's so hard. And so today's passage picks up immediately after Jesus concluded that instruction about how to handle when someone has sinned against us. And so as he's speaking about this, we learn that Jesus is teaching all of this, and Peter Peter wants to possibly seem a little more pious than what he actually is. I always love when Peter has a question. It just sort of reveals so much more about Peter than anything else. Now, the rabbis of that day and time had taught that you should forgive someone up to three times. That's a pretty generous amount if you really think about it. You should be able to forgive someone up to three times. I mean, many times if someone wrongs us, it's, we think, you know, if they've done that to us one time, shame on them. If it happens twice, shame on me. We're not going to get burned again. And so maybe to be able to try to seem like he's being even more holy, Peter goes to Jesus and says, Lord, How many times must I forgive a sinner or a brother or sister who has sinned against me? Up to seven times? (laughs) Instead of just the three, let's extend it a little bit more. Up to seven times? I love Jesus' response. I especially love the way that Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. The way that Eugene Peterson replies as Jesus replying, he says, Seven? Hardly! (laughs) Try 70 times 7. That number has got to blow Simon Peter's mind. And in fact, anybody else that's hearing it, they're thinking, wait a minute, the rabbis say three times, and you're really giving us a number that other translations would read 70 times 7. I mean, we read this and we think, that's an incredible amount of times. I've just got to keep forgiving somebody that many times? And so to illustrate his point, Jesus then presents this parable that seems so fascinating and yet also so difficult. In this parable, Jesus says that in the kingdom of God, it is like a king who wants to settle all of his accounts. And as the king calls forth one that owes him, oh, so much gold and so much that he would never be able to repay, he calls him into his presence so that they might settle up. The servant is unable to pay. And so the king then orders that the servant, the servant's wife, the servant's children, and all that the servant has be sold in order to try to settle up the account. 
Well, the servant falls before the king. Please be patient with me, for I will repay all that I owe you, which the king had to already know was an impossible task. But be patient with me. Something about the way that the servant pleads. The master looks, the king looks upon this servant as pity. Pity upon his heart. And he proclaims that the debt is canceled. It's gone. It's over. That which could not be repaid has been paid. It's done. And so, you can imagine, the servant leaves the presence of the king, and the servant probably, his heart has got to be overwhelmed with thanksgiving, with relief, with joy for what has happened to him. But as the servant is making his way back home, he encounters a fellow servant who just so happens to owe him a hundred pieces of silver. And so this first servant grabs the other one by the neck. He begins to choke him and proclaim, pay me what you owe me. This other servant, gasping, I'm sure, through this whole encounter, says, please be patient with me. I will pay you all that I owe you in time. Literally, the same words that the first servant proclaimed to the king. But this time, that servant gets thrown into jail, into prison, until the debt was to be paid. Well, the fellow servants, they find out, they hear what has happened, and they are offended, they are upset, and they go and they tell the king what has happened. And the king thus summons the first servant, and calls him forth. And he tells him, have you not paid attention? Have you forgotten what I have done for you? Why have you not done so for your fellow servant? Now, this is a harsh story. I mean, we're talking about forgiveness. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, how many times must I forgive someone? And suddenly, Jesus goes into this story about how we are to forgive the debts of one another. This, this, if we obviously understand what is being said, but it's kind of like, why are we going into financial implications when we're talking really about sin? Well, I have a quick question I want to ask you. I, in fact, feedback uh, in the, the chat box, send me a text, send me an email. I have a question for you. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, what is it that you pray that God will forgive you? If you pray... The Lord's Prayer, what is it when you say, forgive us our? Now, if you're from the Methodist, Episcopal, or even the Roman Catholic tradition, very likely when you pray that part of the prayer, you pray that the Lord will forgive us our, say it with me, trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. However, if you're from the probably a Presbyterian or a Reformed church tradition, you may pray that prayer a little bit differently. You may pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And if you're from more of a non-denominational background, you may even pray that prayer a little bit differently. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Now, 
I'm asking, which one of those ways do you pray? Do you pray that God would forgive your trespasses? Do you ask that God would forgive your debts? Or do you ask that God would forgive your sins? Now, these are three very different words. These are three very different words that mean different things. But I think in the end, we understand how they all mean such a similar thing. And why is it that we would pray that God, in our tradition, why is it we'd pray that God would forgive our trespasses? Because if we actually look at the Greek, when we look in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus is giving the Lord's Prayer and instructing them. The word that Jesus actually uses in Matthew chapter 6 is aphalama, which is a word that means that which is owed, that God would forgive that which is owed. So why is it that when we pray, we would say trespasses, which is a completely different word? And I think it, a lot of it has to do with when we look at Matthew chapter 6 in verses 14 and 15, which are the verses that immediately follow where Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. Jesus then adds this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, as your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others... Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I just find it interesting that in this time, Jesus, I think, is wanting his disciples, and dare I say, he even wants us to understand whether it's debts, trespasses, it all reconciles. It all comes to this point of something that is created, this separation. Jesus is wanting us to build that bridge. Jesus is wanting us to be willing as we have been forgiven, to be willing to give that forgiveness to someone else. That's such a hard thing for us to do. It's a hard lesson for us to internalize and for us to know. I remember back in high school, I was attending high school in Raleigh at Sanderson High School, and there at the back of the high school, there was this huge stone at the back entrance it was our back parking lot, then this huge stone, and then the school. And every day, as students would walk in, they'd go past this stone. It was, that stone was called the Spirit Rock. And so students were allowed to, to paint the Spirit Rock for special occasions, like a big rivalry game, or even to celebrate someone's birthday. And so it just so happened that one of my good friends, Eric, was turning 18. And so we decided we were going to paint the Spirit Rock. I think the Spirit Rock was probably there to avoid vandalism of other parts of the property. And so that evening, as we're out there, we're painting the Spirit Rock. We can't wait for Eric to be able to see his name. Happy birthday, Eric. Somebody, I'm not going to say it was me, but I also will say it was me, had the idea that we would paint Eric's, his designated parking spot. And so we went out, we found the numbered parking spot that he was assigned to, and we began to paint all over it, writing messages. Again, nothing horrible, just messages of happy birthday, Eric. But then somebody, and I'm not going to say it was me, but it was me, decided that we would also paint the driveway. And so we're writing silly messages on the driveway. We're painting silly messages like, Speed limit, 70 miles per hour, ha, ha, ha. We thought it was so funny. I don't know why. I thought it was so funny until that first day back in school when I get summoned to go to the guidance counselor's office. I assumed that I was on the way to be interviewed. There was a scholarship interview that was coming up soon. And instead, I walked in to a uniformed police officer who was prepared to charge me with vandalism. My friend Eric 
They knew it had been his birthday, and so they figured he must know who had done it. And sure enough, I was facing this situation, and I was terrified. I was so terrified. I remember begging the police officer, I promise I will get rid of it. I will eliminate all the paint. I will take care of it all. I promise. And sure enough, that police officer showed us grace to be able to, to give us the, by the end of the week to remove all that we had vandalized. And all we had to work so hard to try to get all that paint up off of the places that it was not supposed to be. But by the end of the week, we had got it close enough that we were forgiven. Fast forward a few years later, as I was a pastor of a church and I lived in the parsonage directly across the street from the church, one morning as I walked across the street to the church, I see that the church has been vandalized. Somebody stole or ripped down the copper gutters on the sides of the building. Somebody stole a window air conditioning unit that didn't even work, but they stole it out of the window and broke the window in the process. We called and we filed the police report and then we filed it with our insurance and began to make the repairs that were necessary. But I was angry. We in the church, we were angry. Why would somebody do something like that? A few weeks later, one Saturday afternoon, the doorbell rang at the parsonage. I went and I answered the door and there was a young man standing on my porch. The young man said to me, are you the pastor of the church across the street? I acknowledged that I was, and he said, I have a confession to make. This young man was a student in college who was home for spring break, and he and his friends were having a wild night, and on a whim, they caused the damage and destruction to the church property. The, man, the young man said to me that he was preparing to go down to the police station to report himself to them, but he wanted to come first to me and to ask for forgiveness. He was going to follow through, but he just simply wanted to be forgiven. Now I'll tell you, I stood on that porch and I thought, WWAD, what would Adam do? And I wanted to lay into him and tell him all the wrongs that he had done, how much frustration it had caused within the church, and how, how could he do this directly across the street from the house uh, where I lived, and I was angry. What would Adam do? <laughs> Adam would try to do what Jesus would want us to do. And as I stood there with that young man on the porch, I offered him that forgiveness that he sought. We had an opportunity to pray. We had an opportunity to share. And then he and his father drove down to the police station to face the circumstances and the consequences of his actions. I had been forgiven for my offense. I wanted to offer forgiveness to that. See, I think for us to be able to forgive somebody else, sometimes we've got to know first that we have been forgiven. I want to forgive like Jesus. And that's so hard to do. Because as Jesus tells us to forgive 70 times 7, that's just not in our nature. But I think it could be. If we would try to begin to live and be like Jesus more and more, Maybe we could begin to forgive like Jesus. See, 
I, I want to forgive like Jesus. It's not just what Jesus said. It's what we saw Jesus do. For there, as he's hanging up on the cross, some of his last words were crying out to God, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. They haven't even asked for it. And Jesus is saying, forgive them. The thief on the cross who says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus offers and grants that forgiveness right there. I want to forgive like Jesus. I want to forgive like Jesus who with Peter on the seashore. Offering that forgiveness for the betrayals and the denials. I want to forgive like Jesus. But if we want to be like Jesus and if we want to forgive like Jesus. We've got to first acknowledge and recognize how much we have been forgiven. Folks, there may be people in your lives right now that have caused that harm, that have sinned against you. Maybe it's not once, maybe it's not twice, maybe it's three times. What do you think Jesus would say if we asked him, Lord, how many times must I forgive him? I think he would say all the times. Because that's who our God is. Our God is willing to forgive. And so maybe there's something that we've been carrying. Maybe there's this burden carrying around this guilt, this shame for our own sins, for our own ways that we have wronged, for a debt that we have incurred that we have no chance of ever paying back. Maybe you need to understand today that that God is willing to grant you that forgiveness. Wipe the debt clean. And once we realize that our debt has been made clean, maybe there's somebody in our lives. Maybe they have been trespassing upon our heart and our mind for we have been consumed with thinking about that person that has wronged us. And just as we have asked for forgiveness of our trespasses, may we forgive those who have trespassed against us. That's who Jesus is. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus did. So today, if we want to be like Jesus, we need to embody that same forgiveness. Let us pray. Lord, in your grace and your mercy, you have granted us the opportunity to be restored and reconciled to you. You have crossed the wall of wrong that was built by our fall by our wrongs, by the ways that we have brought harm and hurt. And Lord, we confess that we have fallen short and missed the mark. Today, as we receive that opportunity for forgiveness through you, that price that is paid on our behalf that we could never pay on our own, Lord, there may be others that we are still holding we're holding on to those needs, those struggles, those things that people have caused harm and hurt in our lives. Lord, help us to be like Jesus. Help us to offer forgiveness that we never knew was even possible. Lord, help us to love in the same way that you have loved us. And may we see that other as one who was created in the image of God. May we see the goodness that is there. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen.
Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.